Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, but as I look at different time frames in my life, I have found that there have been these moments where pressure was weighing in, where I was simply overwhelmed by many of the things that I put on myself the expectations that I had, the standards that I set, the things that I wanted to be done in a certain way, all crashed in as pressures when I was trying to juggle all of the things. That's when I started to realize that that S I had on my chest needed to come off and I needed to give myself grace and space to really be well. Let's get into this amazing conversation where we talk about taking the pressure off, taking that S off of your chest, even when you are going for your success. Now let's get into it. For the longest time, I secretly wanted more. I often found myself shrinking to fit in, settling for what was comfortable, and even selling myself short. Once I finally accepted that we deserve success and we are blessed with the power to achieve it, I stopped playing small. I'm serious about building a life I love, and you should be too. I'm Denise Taylor of DeniseTaylor.live and welcome to Embrace Your Power. I help women prioritize themselves, their success, and their happiness. Now let's meet this week's achiever whose story will inspire you to embrace your power and go. Well, hello there. It's Denise Taylor here. You already know I'm excited to have you join me once again here on Embrace Your Power. Now, if you're new around here, I want to welcome you because this is the place where you can always count on me to encourage you to build a life that you love. In fact, Around these parts, we believe that God has given us the power to do it. You see in his word, he said he didn't give us fear. He gave us power. And when we embrace our power, we can be, do, have, and achieve anything that we want. Now, I will tell you, I believe you're going to be divinely inspired to go after the things that God wants to partner with you to accomplish. But you get the sweet reward of satisfaction and fulfillment when you you do that. And it starts on the inside and it comes out into your everyday life. And that's what I want for you. I want you to experience satisfaction and fulfillment that lights you up inside. Now, in season two of the podcast, we've been doing a lot of talking about your career success. And you may be saying to yourself, now, Denise, you did all that talking about a life that I love. And now you're saying that there is work that comes along with that. The reality is you have a vocation you have an occupation, you have something that you're devoted to professionally. And I want you to know that you can make connection and commitment in the professional space and still allow that to have a big part of being fulfilling to 
you. And so we've been having a lot of conversations about what it takes to be successful, the things that we can glean and learn from women who are willing to talk about their lessons learned and share from their experiences. So all of season two, we've had some incredible women to join me right here on the podcast, and they have been authentic, they have been transparent, and they have been open about sharing what it takes to accelerate your success. And today we have another phenomenal guest who is going to join me on this virtual stage and really talk tenderly about a lot of lessons she learned from her own journey of needing to take that S off of her chest so that she could take better care of herself. Now, before we get into this incredible conversation that I had with Catherine, I want to talk about our strategies for success. Because I believe that success leaves clues. And I don't want to just hype you up and talk about the things that I believe you can accomplish in your life and talk about the fact that I believe that you can build a life that you love without giving you some definitive guidance on how to make that happen. So around these parts, we believe in the success superpowers. And I talk about them every week because I want to energize them with you. Success superpower number one is see your yourself successful. You got to envision your success. If you can begin to visit the future version of who you want to become on the canvas of your imagination, then you can set the stage of what you're in pursuit of. And so I want you to go back to daydreaming about the success that you want to accomplish and experience. Now, success superpower number two is shake off fear. And the reason why that comes right in after thinking and dreaming big is because we start to feel a little overwhelmed when it seems uncertain. And I want you to know that you can shake off fear. When we go back to who God said we are and what he said we can accomplish, that truth will undergird and stabilize us on a firm foundation that will allow fear to be shaken off. Success superpower number three is do the work. You got a role to play in this. The vision that God has given you, the thing that's going to light you up requires the work of your hands. So you got to be willing to get busy, but you got to promise. He also said in the word that he would bless the work of our hands. And so you got to commit yourself to doing the work and know that it comes with a promise. Success superpower number four is take care of you. This one is critically important. That mantle of greatness, that vision that you see, it is heavy. And if you don't undergird yourself with strategies to take care of every part of who you are, you're going to falter under the weight of what will be demanded of you. So I want you to develop a strategy that takes care of all of you completely so you can keep your cup full. And then finally, success superpower number five is hold fast to your faith. You see, on this journey of success, we often hit bumps in the road. And when we hit those bumps, if we don't have 
have that faith to stabilize us, we will be tossed and turned and we will become discouraged in our journey. Faith is so that you can persevere and go the distance to see your vision come to pass. Now, those success superpowers, they can be applied to any area that you are in pursuit of. Their strategies for your success. And so I always like to bring them up because I want you to know what you can go back to and put to work for you. Now, at the beginning of season two, I really encourage you to get a journal, label it, embrace your power so that you could take notes during the course of these podcast episodes. These amazing conversations have been so packed with gems that are going to help you in your career success. And today's conversation also promises to drop a few more nuggets for your note taking. So if you've got a journal, go get it because we're about to get into this amazing conversation that I had with Catherine. Now, before we get into it, let me tell you a little bit more about her. Dr. Catherine LaToya Grant Austin holds a Bachelor's of Science in Business Administration from the University of Connecticut. She also holds an MBA from the University of Massachusetts and an honorary doctorate in Christian education. Catherine has over 20 years of experience in finance and she currently is the Senior Director of Global Cash Operations for a Fortune 300 company. In that role, she oversees the strategic planning of a six billion dollar revenue budget. And that includes streamlining processes and implementing world-class systems. Her expertise has won awards such as the TMI Innovation and Excellence Corporate Recognition and the Alexander Hamilton Award for Technology Excellence. Now, outside of work, she is known as the Queen Treasurer, and she is globally recognized as an entrepreneur, a two times Amazon number one best selling author, a certified life coach, and the co host of the internationally streamed podcast, Kingdom treasures. She serves as the CEO of Art Financial Solutions, where she offers financial consulting for businesses focused on strategic planning and treasury technologies. She is the co-founder of Austin Kingdom, which is a lifestyle brand that champions love, family, and business, specifically in the Black communities, aiming to boost financial and generational wealth. Catherine is committed to public service. She's an active member of the Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, and she serves on various community boards. I will tell you, we had such an amazing conversation and we're going to get into it and I'll see you on the other side. 
All right. I'm so excited to have Catherine join me today. Um, you know, she has so much packed into her life experience, her career experience. And so I think this is going to be such an incredible conversation. And so before we jump into things, I want to just invite you uh, to introduce yourself and walk briefly through your career. And I also just want to welcome you to Embrace Your Power. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Denise, for having me. I am just so grateful to be here. I mean, I think you did a wonderful job um, with introducing me and my bio, but um, some things that I would like to highlight that's not on that bio is that I am a mother of two. Um, I am a wife. I'm the queen in our kingdom. And I like to say that because when people hear all of the accolades and when people hear the many years of business, the first thing that people say is, oh, well, you know, maybe maybe she doesn't have a family. Maybe she doesn't have children. No, I have it all. <laughs> and I do believe that um, you can continue to excel your career. You can be a businesswoman and you also can have a family. You do not have to choose. So that's a little more about me. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to having this dialogue with you. I think this is going to be incredible. And thanks for unpacking that because people often think they do have to make choices. And I agree with you. You can have it all. You just got to find a harmonious state to be able to function within so that you can juggle all of the things. But I think they all add such beauty to our lives. I can't even imagine my life without having raised our girls, without experiencing it with my husband. But I also really am valuing my career experience as well. And so I do think that there is a space, a really healthy space that we can get to where we can't have it all. And speaking of healthy, you have had your journey, right, to discovering the place that you find yourself in now. And, you know, I guess I'm going fast path right there, right? Because when I think about what you have had to overcome in terms of your health challenges to get to the point of thriving in a more healthy way, take us on that journey a little bit and help us understand what that was like to get to a place to say, I think I can do this in a better way now. Oh my, oh, that has been, I mean, an ongoing journey. And so- um, let me just start with both of my um, children were born uh, via cesarean, right? Um, I had preeclampsia. So literally my third month into my first pregnancy and my fourth month into my second pregnancy, I was on bed rest. I had a brain injury. And so I do have a brain injury. Um, I fell down the stairs and I hit my head on every single step going down and I lost my memory. And I had to do rehab for, I did it for about 30 days. So I lost my short-term memory and literally, and I know we're going to get into this, but literally the one thing that I was thinking was I got to get back to work. Mm-hmm. I have to get back to work. I'm not, you know, I, I have to get healthy so that I can get back to work. And that was the focus. It wasn't, you know, you just lost your memory. You have a brain injury, you know, things may be different. From here on out, it was truly, I need to get back to work. Then I had heart surgery before the age of 33. And I mean, heart surgery is, it's not a small thing. Like any, anytime you are 
messing with any of your major organs, you are having anyone go in and, and poke around and play around or whatnot, it is a serious matter. I had heart surgery and I went back to work two weeks later. Mm, exactly. And then from there, you would you I had enough, right? Nope, nope, nope. I had my gallbladder removed and then I had a full hysterectomy. And I, you know, I always refer to women as queens. Queens, there is something about your womb that will sit you down. There is something about your womb that will sit you down. And so when I had the full hysterectomy, it was, it was not only a physical healing, but it was also a spiritual healing. Out of all of the surgeries that I had, the hysterectomy was the one that took me the longest to heal. And it was in that moment that I realized I need to slow down. And I was still young. I was still young. And, um, you know, it just altered. It altered how I saw things, how, you know, our family, right? The multiple children that we wanted to have instead of just the two. But it also put things into perspective. Mm -hmm. And of all of the times that I laid on that, on that bed for surgery, I realized that there was a higher power. I, I refer to it as God. Other people might refer to it in different ways, but there was a higher power that was telling me, I need you to sit. And I'm going to continue to give you the lesson until you learn it. Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment that I took a step back and I said, how, how do I want this to look, right? How do I prioritize myself before the career? before anything with the children, before anything with being a wife, how do I prioritize myself because I can't pour from an empty glass? Mm -hmm. And so it has been a journey. It's been a journey of mental, physical, and spiritual healing. Um, but I found some things about myself and I'm amazed and I love it. And I've, you know, I've learned some things and I'm continuing to still learn as I, as I grow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think what's very powerful about this is when you're in the throes of building a career, you can become very saturated with that. Mm -hmm. And it can become so overwhelming in terms of being a fixing focus for you that you really sacrifice a lot to make that happen. Having said all of that, in your journey, you still have continued to have career success. And so I don't want to paint a picture like you took your, your foot off of the gas. You just found a way to throttle it and still attain success, but not necessarily sacrifice your, yourself completely in that journey. And I think that is the value of the lesson because right now you sit in a very established, well uh, protected leading position within your organization and you have a lot of key responsibilities. So professionally, you still are thriving. And I think the real lesson is how do you find that space where all the right things that you need to value and that need to be important for you and have focus with you get your attention? And I think when you said you keep taking that test over and over again, that is really the result or outcome is that you discovered how to find the right balance for you. And so what advice would you give for women who are struggling and finding themselves being saturated with some of their goals in an unhealthy way? Mm. 
ask for help. Ask for help. I think that we feel like asking for help is a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of stress. It takes a strong queen to understand that she cannot do it alone. And so help can come in many different ways, right? So you can ask for help around the household if you have a family or people who can assist you with that. You can, listen, I think that there is this thing where you have to do all, be all. And absolutely not, right? And so for me, help looks like getting a housekeeper because I just don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time to clean. And it's not that it's not important, but I can spend my time doing something that I feel is more important, right? So I got a housekeeper. Um, I got assistance with my children in a way that I felt was okay for me, right? And so that looked like transportation. That looked like having some time, um, having someone to have time with them after school hours or when my husband and I needed to go on date night, right? And so all of those things freed up time to do things that were important. And I found balance. And I found balance. So that was that was the main thing. It was like, I felt like I had to do everything. I had to clean the home. I had to wash the clothes. I had to cook a, a meal every single night. In addition to the responsibilities of my, my job career and as an entrepreneur. But the reality is, no, as you elevate, you're going to need more assistance. And so you have to determine what success looks like for you and determine what you're going to delegate, right? Because you have to own that. So that that's the advice that I would give. And don't, don't carry any guilt with those decisions. Mm -hmm. Just understand that the decisions that you're making are for you. And as long as it is um, beneficial to your household, you don't need let go of the guilt. You don't need to carry the S on your chest. It's okay. Yeah, the reason why your grandmama could do everything is because she was home all day, right? <laughs> and she was juggling all the things within the home. She wasn't managing at the same level from a professional standpoint that you are in your career. It's interesting because as you were talking, I can remember a definitive point in my career. And it's when I had reached the point of being a manager and was transitioning into director roles, which was, that's the point that you come off the floor and you move to the wall, right? And you become one of the wall people as they say, right? So we were, I was moving into that level. And when I started interacting with people at that level, specifically women, not necessarily women of color, but specifically interacting with women who were at the director VP and above level is when I did see those decisions that were made for family in ways that were different than the people who were operating at more of the working level, if you will. And one of the key things that I noticed about these women who were in these positions is they made a decision with their husband as to whose career was going to accelerate and whose career was going to be focused on the children. Mm -hmm. It was a very definitive decision. And a lot of their husbands were home with the children because family was still important to them, but they made a very distinct decision that 
my career has leverage and momentum. So I'm going to go for it. And you're going to make a choice to stay at home. That is a completely different dynamic that I'm not saying everyone should subscribe to. But what I am acknowledging is the point that you made. You got to figure out what's right for you, right? For your household, absolutely. Exactly, for you and your household. And I too had have had to lean into some choices and decisions on how to navigate that space. I literally remember it was a young girl that went to church with us. And when my kids had all the after school activities, I would go pick her up and I would say, you keep my car all day. You pick them up from school. You drive them where they need to go. And then yeah. when all that's done, you come back to work and get me. Now, some people would say, you left her with your car. Yes, I yes. did. Yes, I did. Because if I didn't make way for that to happen, then it wasn't going to happen, right? Like I needed help. And so I had to really think creatively and I had to take that risk. And I knew that it was something that if I wanted to function at this level, I got to start doing some things differently. And so I agree with you, whatever help that you need, you need to make yourself available for it. And it may not look the way that your mom did it. It may not look the way that your family did it. It may not look the way that even some people that you've previously worked with have done it, but you got to figure out what's right for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And so one of the things that you said um, that stuck out to me, because I knew this was a definitive point for me as well, is you said that you erase the line in the sand between your personal life and your professional life. And I know for a very long time, I kept both of my worlds separate. And when you said that to me, you said something that I resonate with completely. You said it was freeing. And once I did that, once I quit trying to operate in two different worlds and I just said, this is Denise and you're going to get me, it was freeing. So tell me about that journey for yourself. Oh my goodness. So freeing. So freeing. Let me start with the end end goal. It was It was definitely freeing. Um, and so I worked in the finance industry since I was 16 years old. So I have been in retail banking um, and then moved up to corporate treasury. And I just remember just feeling like as I was growing my career, like they can't know where I come from. They can't know some of the things about my family. Like they can't know who and what and where I'm from, right? And, And so- I kept them totally separate. Like even to the point where work was Catherine and personal was LaToya. Like I had two different names. Even though they're my full name, I had two different names. The turning point was where I wrote my first book, um, contributed to an anthology, 10 Women. And we talked about how our pain fueled our purpose. And that book, Bless Not Broken, volume one, was the turning point for me because in there I talked about being a career woman and how trying to do all of the things, trying to be all of the things had me in a mental state that was so unhealthy that I laid in the bed for three days and was contemplating, did I have any more to give? Mm -hmm. 
And I felt like it was important to tell my story because I knew that there were others just like me, right? There was others that just literally all, all we want to do is prove a point that we're more than where we come from, that we're more than what they said we would be. Statistically, statistically, because of my background, so parents addicts raised by my grandparents came from a neighborhood of drugs and gangs and was the only one to go to college and finish, right? So my world looks so different. So statistically, I was supposed to be dead in jail by the age of 21 or on drugs because of the statistics with my um, parents. And I didn't want any of that. I literally wanted to prove, quote unquote, prove that specific wrong, but I did it in such an unhealthy way. I did it in such an unhealthy way. And so I had come to that point where I wanted to share my story because I know that there's others like me. And I know that there's people, especially women who look like me, who just are not confident in their gift that they're giving in their career and their gift that they're giving as business owners. And they come to a point where they're just so tired, they want to give up. Mm-hmm. And so when I released that book, that was my story. Mm-hmm. That was my story. Now, mind you, you know, okay, well, my corporate colleagues and and in the partnerships and collaborations that I have from a corporate perspective read my book, maybe not. How would they know if I didn't tell them? Well, I ended up speaking for a Juneteenth segment and I told my story. And then the book was purchased by my colleague. The book was even purchased by my manager, the treasurer. And my world were merged. There was no doubt that my world was merged. But the thing was, I could now be my authentic self. I didn't have to shy away about my family dynamics. I didn't have to shy away about my upbringing. I didn't have to shy away about some of the things that actually got me to the space that I was, even if. I didn't do it in the healthiest way. I no longer had to quote unquote hide it. Mm -hmm. And so it was so freeing. And it also provided more of an understanding between my colleagues, between, you know, my employees and team members, because when you know someone's upbringing, when you know their background, sometimes you can understand how they think and why they think. And so I'm always solution oriented Mm -hmm. and I'm always like, we can make it work, <laughs> right? And that was the attitude that I had growing up. It didn't matter what was going on around me. I was going to make it work. I was going to make it. Mm-hmm. And so that was the same attitude that I would bring to the table and it and it provided more clarity to the team members and everyone that I was working with. And so it just allowed me to be my authentic self in every space. Mm-hmm. in every single space so it was freeing and I do think that everyone should take the opportunity to just be them whole selves regardless of where they are it is it is a process but it's so worth it it is so worth it so I think one of the reasons why we struggle with it is because when you are that first generation leader right when you're in the first one in your family to do it you're not certain that if they understand those dynamics about you, if you will be accepted. 
there's also a degree of stereotypical shame that comes with it, right? Because, you know, when they start talking about, well, look how they behave over there and over there is where you live. Mm -hmm. And when they start saying, look at how they treat one another and that's where you're from and that's what your people are or that's what your family dynamics typically resonate or um, align with. There is a degree of shame um, that comes along with it that's hard to not internalize, right? Even though you're like, well, I don't do that, you know, or even though you're like, my lifestyle isn't that. What makes it hard for first generation leaders to ultimately get to the levels that even you have ascended to is we are so used to leading with our strengths, Mm-hmm. And we don't really recognize because, and, and that's a natural process of it all, right? Because you're trying to figure out how to make it. You're trying to prove that you belong. You're trying to make sure that they, that they understand and you understand that you fit in and you got right place at the table. And so your strengths is like your security when you're operating. But there comes a point in your career where leading with your strengths can begin to work against you. And you need to understand how to be more collaborative and how to lead differently and what other abilities or capabilities need to be released. And if you aren't giving good guidance, sometimes you get stuck right there because you're not sure how to pivot and shift. And it seems as though through your experience, especially because of the seat that you now sit in, you've been able to overcome some of those things. So tell me a little bit about how some of that resonates with you that I talked about and how you've been able to overcome. So you're absolutely right. It does come to a head. And we tend to lean on the notion that, well, it's worked for me this far, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um, and so it, it, it may be working and, and it should be working. But at the end of the day, we all have areas where we need to improve. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I always tell people is you don't know everything. You don't know everything. And if you're looking at someone that you deem successful, that's how you define success, just understand that success leaves clues. And so for me, I always say, find you a mentor, a sponsor, or a coach, Mm -hmm. right? So you can find someone who is willing to do this, or you can pay someone who is willing to do this, right? But either way, find someone who can be 100% forthcoming with you in a loving way for your benefit Mm -hmm. to say, these are some of the things that you need to work on, that you need to flat out change, Mm -hmm. um, that you need improvement in, right? Because those things, I always say, every time it's time for elevation, the very thing that you're shying away from is the very thing that you will need to get to that next level. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't seek help in that area, even if you may not know it, and that's the whole point, right? But a mentor, a sponsor, and or a coach will be able to give you you that guidance. And so for me, I'm very strong in problem solving. Mm -hmm. Very strong and um, just open in strategic vision. Right. So I am the person that I not only 
do I, I, I want to work to make sure that we get it done, right? But I can see the solution. I can see the bigger picture past where we are right now. And so that's just been a strength. And I'm very creative in some of the solutions. It's just like, how did you even think of that? For me, it's second nature, right? But where I had to improve is understanding that everyone else doesn't think like that. And so trying to articulate and then having a side eye, like, what do you mean you don't understand? Like, it's, it's clear. <laughs> it's, it's, this, this is what we should do. It's clear, right? Just having to be able to hold space for those individuals who don't necessarily share the same vision, who aren't necessarily um, in line with some of the things to understand, to be empathetic, and to even ensure that their voice is heard, even if the end goal is still, this is what we're doing, right? Um, but all of those things come with time, and all of those things come with maturity, as well as guidance. guidance. And so if you are someone who you just strongly feel like I can do this by myself. I got here by myself and I can just, mm -mm. you need someone who has your best interest. Again, a mentor, a sponsor, and or a coach. Mm -hmm. Excellent advice. I do have one question though, because fear pay plays a big part in why we keep that great divide between um, our, our personal and our professional, when you came forth, told your story, released the book, gave your, um, your talk around your story, was any of the fear that you perceived would result with some kind of disconnect or disrespect or discord? Was any of that realized? What was the response that your colleagues actually had for you? Oh my goodness. So no, it was all in my head. <laughs> it was all in my head. Um, oh my goodness. Their responses were, Catherine, wow, you're so strong. Um, you have so much courage to tell your story. I've had women who have reached out to me and they said, um, you know, you made me understand that building the career is not the end all be all. There's so much more. And you said something that um, many of us go through, like we're tired, like we're just like, we, we just, we're tired and we do want to give up. Um, you normalize the feeling. You normalize what it feels like to um, just wear that Superman on or Superwoman on your chest, right? And so it was received so well. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I had so many women who were just, they were freed as well because they realized that they were not the only ones. And so um, grace is part of the chapter title and they realized to grant themselves grace. Mm -hmm. Grant themselves grace in the journey, right? Because all of the things, the many hats and so forth that we juggle, the backgrounds and where we're trying to ascend to, there's no true manual. Everyone's journey looks so different. Mm -hmm. And so for them, they were freed. And for my colleagues, 
they were just, I think it almost was, they were so surprised that any of that was going on because all they saw, right, was, oh my goodness, she's doing this thing. She's excelling her her career. She's great at what she, she does. And so understanding just everything that went through it, that I went through and where I was, it was so freeing for me and for them to just have someone that they can say you too Mm -hmm. yeah that's what came up for me and that's what comes up for me often um I will say putting yourself out there don't do it without grace (laughs) don't do it without covering don't do it Um, to try to make a name for yourself because that's not what you want to necessarily platform yourself on. But if you're inspired, divinely inspired to lift your voice and share your story, you will set the captives free. You will uh, begin to make an impact in people's life in ways that will allow them to see that they can overcome some of the things that are holding them back as well. And so I think that's the power of being willing to blur that line, to allow your stories to come out. And we unfortunately think that it will discredit us when in fact it doesn't discredit you at all because your work is done with integrity and you're honorable when what you do. It's only it's only going to add fuel to the fire if the fire is already burning that way, right? But right. the fire, I think the beauty of it is when you are telling your story and it's so different from who you are that it becomes more impressive and it also just glorifies God in the midst of it all. So I think that that's a very powerful revelation. And I wanted to call that out because there are a lot of people who stand behind fear. Now in your job, you oversee global operations for your, for your organization. Um, And that comes with a lot of pressure, right? When you start talking about managing that volume of resource, when you start talking about the responsibility. So give us some insight into how you navigate pressure, how you navigate the responsibility that comes from sitting in the seat that you're in? Oh my. So let's, let's just take a step back. So I oversee all of our global cash operations, which means we are moving millions of dollars. I um, strategically consolidate and centralize cash for strategic initiatives throughout the company. That's like any merger and acquisition, deleveraging activities and so forth. And then in addition to that, we have commercial paper, right? So that means we're in the market and um, you know we have short-term and long-term debt. And so under all of that, it's a lot of responsibility. It is, um, but I have a team. And the first thing that I think people are really scared of is if I let my hands off of this and I allow my team to do what they're supposed to do and something goes wrong, I am responsible, right? And so now I want to keep my hands on it and I want to make sure and ensure and and I really want to like be in the weeds. I can tell you the first thing is that you have to really have faith in the people that you hire under you. You have to have faith in your team members to do their job. You have to have faith and instill in them if they have questions, if they have concerns, 
to be able to address them, right? So that's the one thing that I heard, I hold firm. I am not a micromanager at all. I can't be because I think when people feel like someone is over them looking at them, that they're going to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And then I also feel like you want people to have the opportunity to make some mistakes because there is lessons in those mistakes, right? Um, now, do I want a $100 million mistake? Absolutely not, right? But I do want my team to have the autonomy to do their job. I put my all in making sure that what I do control, I control, right? And what I don't, I collaborate across the board. Pressure for me, again, is just, understanding other people's responsibilities and how it impacts me. Mm-hmm. Understanding, um, you know, if I'm going to have issues because there's another area that is struggling, how do I be a partner, right? So those are the, the pressures that I have and how I handle them is always trying to be solution-oriented. For me, I want a solution. I, I I am not the person to come to the table to complain. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we talked about our strength. My strength is how do we solve this? Even, even in the midst of something being broken, right? Okay, let's solve it before we discuss how it got broken. I don't have time to point fingers, mm-hmm. right? I just, I just don't. So my, any situation that I have with that pressure or that I feel like, you know what? This is a bit much for me. I'm going to go into think mode. How do we solve this? Is there a solution? Are there multiple solutions? What's the best solution, right? Is there an answer? Maybe there's not. Okay, so what risk are we willing to take? Like I literally use strategy, but I will say that a lot of people that I've seen in roles um, that are very comparable to my role in other areas, they, they feel like, there's such a weight on them because of all of the zeros. Mm-hmm. And my thing is, as long as you have processes in place and, and so forth in place, that's the least of your worries. And I know that sounds crazy, mm-hmm. but that's the least of your worries. And so a lot of people put more pressure on themselves than they need to. Mm-hmm. And so you really just, I, anybody who's in any situation, pressure, like I said, for me, how can I solve this? Mm-hmm. Or what risk am I willing to take mm-hmm. to put us in a better position? I love it. I love the solution focus. Um, I can remember early on in my career, one of the best pieces of advice I got that kind of aligns with what you're saying was if there's a problem and the cow has fallen into the ditch, let's just get the cow at the di- out the ditch and then figure out how to not have the cow fall into the ditch again. So to your point, placing blame, pointing fingers, you know, trying to assess all of that. While that may have context, it really is not helping us get the cow out of the ditch. It's not helping us to remedy the problem. And really what we want to drive for as leaders is to say, what do we need to optimize and improve so we don't end up in this situation again and remain solution focused around that? So I really love the insight that you're sharing. And you honed in on something that I think is extremely valuable that I don't want 
going to miss. And that's the hiring the right people, building the right team, bringing on the right skill sets and setting them free to soar and do their job. I too, like you, I, I, I don't even like to micromanage, right? Like that, that to me is the biggest waste of time. If if both of us got to do it, then one of us is unnecessary in that particular instance. And so it was always a rub for me if I had it, had to resort to micromanaging. And typically that only happened when there was a problem, when there was a problem with the hire, when there was a problem with the person in the role. Otherwise, I didn't want to thrive there. How do you hire well? Like, how do you begin to identify that this person is going to be a great fit? They're going to be able to show up and do what I need them to do so that you can be comfortable allowing them to blossom and soar. That's so funny. I just talked about this. Um, I just spoke at a conference in New York and I just talked about this. So um, for me, I did away with like these traditional job descriptions and these keywords. And for me, I look for grit every single time I hire. And so what does that look like, right? I look for, so I, I'll give you an example. One of the last hires, um, the last two hires that I did was in retail banking. And so if you know anything about retail banking, you know that the managers at retail banking, they are working 50, 60, 70 hours a week, mm-hmm. right? And so... Um, they are responsible sometimes for opening and closing the branch. Um, they are the individuals that have to problem solve every time a customer comes in. And also, if you know anything about banking, when your money is messed up, you're not coming into the branch happy, <laughs> right? You're upset because where's my money? What happened to it? You know, what is this charge or whatnot? And so looking for grit in that way, I'm like, hmm, who has retail banking experience and has had that experience for a while, right? Because I can teach you corporate treasury, right? Because it aligns, it's it's very similar, but I can't teach you grit. And so I look for those types of things. I'm not looking for someone who has already held the role, who's been in the role for five years. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for hey, do you show grit? What is your work ethic like? And so when you are looking to do hires, yes, experience, education, all of those things are great, but you need to read in between the lines. You know, Um, I always think about when I was in school and working, right? So I worked full-time and I was in school full-time. That's grit, that's work ethic. That takes a lot. You got to balance and so forth. So read in between the lines when you're looking at resumes to hire and determine what type of hire you want, right? Because you may not want someone who is um, who has grit if you're just looking for like an administrative assistant, right? But if you're looking for a go-getter and you're looking for someone that can be self-sufficient in the role, then those are the, the type of um, things that you need to look for in a resume. They're not going to be keywords. It's going to be in between the lines, overlapping of, and work and those type of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I remember some of the questions I would ask in the interviews. They wouldn't seem like they made sense because if I if I was hiring someone and organizational skills was necessary, I would say, "Well, tell me what your closet looks like, right?" 
you know, tell yeah. me, tell me, you know, that, that drawer that you have that has your silverware, and all your serving utensils, what does that look like? Right. Yeah, because absolutely. I really wanted to understand how those skills manifested themselves. And right. to your point, if you, if you know, you're not a senior financial analyst, then you're not even going to apply. Right. <laughs> so, and, and at a certain level, cause you know, I've had people ask me for like resume tips at the level I was I really didn't have resumes like the HR person was bringing candidates to me so looking at resumes and assessing them was not something that I did and so I had to figure out how to ask different qualities and different skills and 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 figure out how to uh, determine whether or not somebody had them because I'm not really looking at resumes right you need to go talk to somebody who does that recruiting piece to let you know what really sticks out to them but to your point you want to understand what grit looks like right you want to understand what these abilities that come in and be my right hand person looks like too Um, and so you're asking questions in a different way we could go on and on so I'm just gonna try to rein it in here when you think about your career at what point did you feel successful and what made you feel that way Mm. So this is probably going to be very different. It wasn't money. Mm-hmm. Um, matter of fact, I felt successful when I received a phone call from a recruiter that um, said that I was referred by someone that I used to that used to work with me at my at my current my current job. They used to work with me. They had transferred to another job. And that they highly recommended me. It, it was in that moment, I said, I've made an impact. Mm-hmm. I've made an impact. They offered me double mm-hmm. of my salary. And I said, no. Mm-hmm. And everyone thought I was crazy. Like, the, you know, my husband was like, wait, 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 let's talk about what's going on. Right. But I felt successful in that moment because one I knew that I had made an impact and two, I had the balance that I desired. Mm -hmm. It was not about the money anymore. Mm -hmm. It was no longer about the money. It was about the work balance. I knew that I had balance at my job and I was still able to perform and I was still able to excel in my career. I, I was making good money. So it wasn't about the money necessarily. Double would have been nice, but it wasn't about the money but then I also was present with my children. I was at their games. I could go, um, you know, after school and maybe for an hour, we could, you know, go to the jump hall, right? And then I still had time with my husband, time that we shared together. And so I literally had balance and that's when I knew I'm, I'm successful in how I defined it. It's time for your empowering moment. Now, you know, this is where we take a pause in the podcast so that I can jumpstart your success. In this segment, we are featuring aspects of my book, Embrace Your Power and Go. It's a 30-day journey that gets you out of the starting blocks and into accomplishing that thing that you desire to achieve. We are on day 15 
of that 30-day journey. And let me unpack a little bit more of what I covered on that day. Now, if this is your first time experiencing an empowering moment, that Embrace Your Power and Go has five features to every day. There's an overarching thought that we give our intention to. There's a scripture that we release our faith with. There's a passage that I've pinned and curated just for you. There's an affirmation that you can speak over your life. And then finally, you have an area that you can capture some goals in line with the success superpowers, which are our strategies for success. So on day 15, the overarching thought is this, create in me a clean heart. The scripture reference is creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's Psalms 5110. And this passage is focused on helping to fix our perspective, to move away the tainted or distorted lenses that we may be seeing our experience through and getting back to a heart of gratitude. Now, here's the affirmation that I made available for you on that day. Lord, my deepest desire is for you to create in me a clean heart of gratefulness that sees the good in life. Renew a right spirit in me that always expects the best. I yield to you, Lord, to do the heart work, which is often the hardest work of all. I surrender my limited perspectives to gain your peace and joy in Jesus's name. Now, if that resonated with you, then I want to invite you to go ahead and put your prime to work. The book is available on Amazon. Embrace your power and go. But more than that, if you know that you need to break through something, I got to let you know that's my sweet spot. I help women break through what's standing in the way and not allowing them to prioritize their success and what they want. And so if that's you. I want to invite you to book a call with me. I would love an opportunity to talk with you about what it is you really want to achieve. Now you can access my calendar at www.callwithdenise.live. All right, now that we're back, let's just go deeper on what I'd like to call power leader advice. And this is just advice you would give to professional women for these different scenarios. So the first one is this, what's your best advice for a woman feeling stretched either by transition, opportunity, or pressure to perform? Understand why you feel the way that you feel. A lot of our emotions are so deep that we don't even recognize, right? Is it that you are feeling overwhelmed or or stressed because you don't feel that you are worthy? Is it something internally? Is it something externally that's making you feel um, that you're, you know, that there is an issue in whatever setting? So first understand where the feeling is coming from right? Because I think that's so important. And then when you understand where the feeling is coming from, determine what you can do to change that, right? A lot of times it's mindset work. Mm -hmm. And we try to skip over the mindset, right? We want to get practical answers. 
<laughs> we want to, you know, well, maybe I need another certificate or maybe, you know, I need to do X, Y, and Z, something else, right? But a lot of it is just mindset shifting how we're viewing and shifting and altering how we're thinking. Mm -hmm. And so that's my advice. Um, and then also determine if you have control over it. Because a lot of times we stress about things that we don't have control over. And so there is never a solution because we don't control it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just truly just have to let go. That's so good. So, so good. What's your best advice for a woman struggling to fit in at work? She may find it hard to be accepted or understood at work. My, oh, this is going to sound so harsh. you really have to determine if that's your space. Sometimes we're so uncomfortable because it's not our space. It's not our space. You got to understand the energy of the space that you're in. And I know that people don't even think about that, but there is a true thing about energy. You know, when you enter a space that has positive energy, because it automatically just uplifts. It makes you feel good. You're, you're receiving that energy and in return, you want to reciprocate that energy. You want to push that positive energy out. You have a better attitude. So if you're walking into a space where you don't feel welcome, you're walking into a space where you don't feel like you fit in, you have to really, really sit and think, is this the space for me? Is this a positive space for me or is this a negative space? And maybe I don't need to fit in. Maybe I need to shift and change spaces. That's really good. Really good. I could jump in there, but I'm I'm gonna resist temptation because that <laughs> nugget is really, really good. Okay, here's my one thing. I couldn't hold back. No, you no, know no. how you know how you walk in, like say for instance, you go over a friend's house, right? You go over a couple's house and you walk in and you wasn't there, but you could tell they've been arguing. Uh, definitely. Right. Absolutely. And so when you talk about energy, you're not talking about nothing mystical or, or spooky. You talking about when the dynamics are off and yep. you showing up in this place. And so people try to make it real bigger than it needs to be. Just like when you walk in and you be like, what's wrong with you and him? What's what's going on in here? Like you can sense it. You have to take that same thing to the workplace and allow it to speak to you. And to your point, if it doesn't fit, it's okay to say it doesn't fit and just and, be done with it. And that's perfectly fine. I think I think people have to really lean into their discernment. I think that there are so many people who fight against it. And if you just really lean into your discernment, it will direct you in every area. It will direct you in the spaces you need to be in. It will direct you where you need to go. But you have to lean into your discernment. The minute that you fight it, then again, you're going to just continue to fight because you're you're moving against that energy. Mm -hmm. So good. All right. The next one, what's your best advice for a woman who wants to advance her career and get to the next level? Take risk. Take unpack risk. that. I skipped that question. So unpack that. <laughs> Take risk. I think that when you try to play it safe, that you are doing yourself a disservice. Um, taking risks can look and it can look it, different ways, but calculated risk, right? Take on that project that can be very trying, right? Um, you know, uh, take on the extra responsibility where 
you may not feel like, okay, I may not know everything, but I know enough, right? Um, open your mouth. When you get the seat at the table, open your mouth. Don't play it safe and, and sit at the table and, and try to determine, do I say something? Do I not say something? Or, you know what? I know that's not going to work because we did X, Y, and Z, but I don't want to say anything. I don't want to ruffle feathers. Open your mouth, right? Be, be open to giving suggestions and to also disagree. It's okay. All of those things are okay, but you have to take risks. One of the things that is very apparent, and there's so many studies about this between um, a woman in the workplace and a man in the workplace, is that men will take the risk. And if it doesn't work out, then okay. Whereas women tend to play it safe. We think that we can work our way up with our head down and being quiet. And it is not that. It is not that. It's taking risks. It's opening your mouth. It's, it's coming into the room with the value that you have and being of value and serving. And so you want the next level, take the risk. Mm -hmm. And if you don't even know like what that looks like, get you a coach. Mm -hmm. Get you a coach who can identify and say to you, hey, you're doing these things. This would be a great opportunity for you to excel your career in this way. So good. So, so good. Pr priceless feedback. And I, I hope people really understand because again, fear robs us of so much. And a risk is, it, the only thing about a risk is the uncertainty, but there's uncertainty packed in everything. In everything. Yeah. And I, and there's this notion that I'm, 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 I'm comfortable and this is safe. Nothing is safe nothing is safe. So good. So good. All right. So I have these things, I call them power leader skills. They're just skills that I think women need to know in corporate America. There's 12 of them and I won't have you do all 12. I want you to pick three numbers between one and 12 and whatever you pick is what I will ask about. Two, four, and nine. All right. So what's your best advice on how women can advocate for themselves? Ooh, speak up. Honestly, speak up. So I do think um, one of the things that, and again, statistics, is that women will have a fear of speaking up because um, they don't want to be labeled. They don't want to be difficult. Um, they don't want to feel like they're complaining, but speak up, right? Um, and it doesn't have to be bad. Like even for your career, a lot of times you just sit and you're handed the promotion, you're handed the merit, and you don't open your mouth to, you know, air out the opportunity that you desire or even what you feel like you deserve. And so always speak up, um, make sure that you go to the table with, you know, your, your backing, right? With all of the metrics to say why you deserve the thing or, you know, or why you feel the way that you feel, specific um, examples and so forth. But the worst thing that you, you can do is just stay silent. So make sure that you advocate for yourself. If you don't feel comfortable advocating like to your manager, then go to the HR department, right? That's what they're there for. But don't sit in silence. Don't sit in silence with anything. Advocate by actually speaking up. I love it. 
What's your best advice on how to lead without being off-putting to others? Listen, mm-hmm. listen, the, leaders, leaders lead. Yes, they do, <laughs> right? And so, and, and they are in the forefront and, um, you know, they, they set the strategy and the vision, but true good leaders listen. Mm-hmm. True good leaders listen. They listen to the things that are being said. They listen to um, the concerns. They listen to what's going well. And they seek they seek information, mm-hmm. right? And so if you want to be the best leader, then listen. Mm-hmm. Listen, because even, even if, you know, even if you are the CEO, you're still listening to your clients, right? You're still listening to those that you serve. And then taking that information and, and, and utilizing it for improvement. So the best advice as a leader is to listen. Love it. Love it. And the last one in this section is what's your best advice on how to leverage your Black girl magic edge and swagger? Okay. <laughs> Do not be afraid to show up as your authentic self. There is so many wonderful, magnificent, divine things about us as Black women. But yet and still, there is the fear, like you said, of us being stereotyped, of where we come from, of being, you know, told that we are too aggressive when we're passionate, right? Being told that, um, you know, you know, why are we, why are we doing things this way versus another way? Be your authentic self. Show up and work and serve in your gift. Work and serve in your gift. And if you are in any space that makes you feel uncomfortable, you have two choices. You have two choices. You can find a space that makes you comfortable or you could speak up. But your black girl magic does not allow you to put your head down and be silent. Mm, I love it. I love it. It commands attention. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So here's my podcast closeout questions. I've been asking these for a few years now. It's just more wisdom, but it's from you to your younger self. So what's your life wisdom? What would you tell your younger self about life if you could? Uh, I would tell my younger self, life is hard. Life is hard and it's okay. I would tell my younger self that struggles build success and that understand that there is so many blessings in all of the lessons that you have to learn. I would tell myself not to blame myself for things that had nothing to do with me. And that my path is truly my path. Um, I would tell myself to really, 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 really dig deep and believe in that discernment mm-hmm. and believe in that discernment. That discernment has literally gotten me out of things and spaces and places. And if I just keep with it, keep with it, it will excel and continue to excel. But most of all, I would tell my younger self, everything that is, is meant to be. There are no mistakes. There are no mistakes. Every single action, every single 
footstep has been ordered and it all will work out for the good. That's so good. What would you tell your younger self about love? What's your love wisdom? Oh my God. Love is within. Love is within. Before you can love anyone and before you can seek love, you have to love yourself. And the love that you have for yourself will amplify the love that anyone can have for you. Um, I would tell my myself that I'm responsible for my love, not someone else. Um, and I would tell myself that before I go seeking love in any way or from anyone, that I truly need to seek it from myself first. Mm, I love that. And then finally, what's your happiness wisdom? What would you tell your younger self about happiness if you could? Oh, happiness is my thing. I truly, I truly feel like this life is meant to be happy. And so when we get in dark spaces, I, I am a firm believer that if you are not happy, then you need to change that. And so I would tell my younger self that if it does not make you happy, then don't do it. Everything's not going to be great, right? But if it is truly making you unhappy, then you have to change it. And I will always say this to my younger self. You have the choice. It doesn't matter how hard it seems. It doesn't matter how painful it is. You have the choice to be happy. So choose happiness, even if it means that you're going to hurt in the short term. That's so good. My goodness. All right. So tell us what's next for you and how listeners can get connected to you. Oh my goodness. There's so much going on. So, um, you know, we have the business and um, we're just making sure that we are elevating kingdoms. And so people can get in touch with me on LinkedIn. Um, Catherine Latoya Grant Austin on LinkedIn, or you can go to my site, www.grantaustin.com. Um, if you are a couple who is committed or married in business, we're going to be doing the luxury money date night in Miami next year. And so um, make sure you connect with us if you want details on that. But yeah, that's how you can get in touch with me. All right. I just have one more thing. Success mm-hmm. looks so good on you. Thank you. You're Thank so, you. so welcome. So I got to tell you, I am so excited, not only for Catherine lending her voice to this platform, but for all the other women that have come before as a part of season two. I am proud. I am appreciative. And I'm so grateful that they've been willing to show up and share so transparently from their life experiences and their lessons learned. The other thing that sticks out to me from these conversations is how each of them in their own way have expressed the necessity to forge relationships. And I want you to know that that is exactly what God created us to have. He created us to have not only relationship with him, but relationship with one another. In this season, 
I want you to know how important it is for you to get the help that you often pray for. You see, one of the things that we fall prey to doing often is we know we need help. We even pray for the help, but we don't always open ourselves up to be available for the help for a number of reasons. It may make some demands on you to accept change. It may make some demands on you to be real diligent about your time. And it may make some demands on you to invest your treasure. But here's what I do know is that when you refuse to take the necessary steps forward, you essentially draw a line in the sand. And until you're willing to do what it takes to cross that line, you have now put a hold on your success. I believe that God has created you to imagine your wildest dreams. But more than that, he has a desire for you to live your wildest dreams, even in your profession. And one of the things that working with people does for you is it brings their experience, their insight and wisdom to the table to help you. And when you have that, it essentially collapses time. You get there faster. Now, if you have some career goals, some things that you're looking to achieve, then I wanna invite you to set up time with me. I would love the opportunity to help accelerate your success by making my experience, my insight, and my wisdom available to you. Working with me begins with a discovery call for a number of reasons, but here's the primary one. I am so diligent and considerate of success, meaning that if I know that you're looking to achieve something that someone else is better suited to help you with, I make recommendation for you to go get the better help. My goal with the discovery call is to learn more about you. I want to make a professional recommendation about your best next step. And if that includes working with me, then I will mention to you about the services that I offer. But at the end of the day, I'm looking for people that look like me and you to be able to achieve. And so I'm making myself available to give you that recommendation, even if it's not with me. I want you to experience the success you envision. I want you to get in the driver's seat so that you can now be the decision maker to open the door for others. That's how we come up together. So I want to invite you. I want to invite you to book a call with me. On the call, I will just ask you a few questions and then I'll make my recommendation. Now you can access my calendar at www.callwithdenise.live. When it opens up, you'll pick a time and I'll give you a call because that's the easiest for me to reach out to you at whatever time you select. I wanna see you be successful. I want to be a part of your journey if I can. And if it's not me, I want to get you connected to who can help you go faster. Thanks for tuning in with me today. And I'll look forward to seeing you next week.
Now, if you love this episode, you're going to want to access the free resource I curated just for you. The Power Leader Toolkit is absolutely free, and it includes three Power Pack career transforming resources that will help you change the game and build the career that you want and deserve. It includes my powerful training, The Seven Habits of highly successful women. Now you can get your hands on this toolkit right now. And as I said, it's absolutely free. You can access it at www.powerleadertoolkit.live. Again, that's www.powerleadertoolkit.live. And of course, I'll be back next week with more power leader strategies to help you transform your career. But until then, remember to always embrace your power and go.